Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Sports Facts, Stats, and Smacks with Kevin and Avery. It's our bi-weekly look at uh, the world of sports, and I hope you enjoyed last week's inaugural episode, and I hope you're going to enjoy episode two as well. So welcome to the show, Kevin. How are you doing tonight? Good, Avery. Uh, how how you been? Uh, I, uh, I've been good. I've been looking at some weird and wonderful sports from around the world, and I think we got some interesting ones this week, and I know that you have some good topics to talk about as well, so let's get into this. Like I said, I, I, I was looking up some wacky sports, and this weekend is the, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger puts on an annual event, like, it's, um, he does, like, strongman and just, um, fitness stuff. It's a big weekend event, and it's pretty cool. Arnold Schwarzenegger is always there. Um, bodybuilding, as you know, he's been, he was a bodybuilder before he got into acting, and, you know, he's a pretty buff guy and pretty ripped, and so he really supports that. It's an awesome, like I said, awesome event. This year, during that, during the weekend, he is put, well, him and Logan Paul are both going to be co-announcing the, uh, World Slap Fight Competition. And I don't know if you ever looked up slap fighting on YouTube, but it's just amazing. It's just basically... I've, I've seen a couple clips here and there. So what do you think about it? It's a hard pass for me. <laughs> I'd be knocking it next week or next month. <laughs> some of those guys are pretty big. They get right into it. I've seen some people going toe-to-toe with slaps and... I've seen some people get knocked out as well. And the one guy that I was watching that was just knocking people out left and right. Well, maybe just right because they just used one hand. But he was like using the inside of his hand almost to lead. So it was almost like a karate chop slap. So that seemed pretty devastating. And he was just like, people were just getting knocked out and not even getting a chance to slap him. I, I, I thought it was amazing just... I'd love to be there for the whole event just to see how ridiculous it is. And that's what I love about sports sometimes, about the ridiculousness of it all. Oh, definitely. That, that's, I would, I'd sit there to watch it. You know, it's just bad figure of speech, but it almost, we'll look at it and see the clips of it is, is uh, mind-blowing. And how, as you said, you know, some knockouts right off the bat where these guys' eyes just roll right back off the bat or some of them aren't even phased by it. Yeah, well, I think it's a lot of technique. Like I said, when I was watching one guy with the inside of the hand, like almost a karate chop slap, I think that's more of a technique than just straight up just slapping with the palm of the hand because you're going to get like some fingers in there and if the fingers lead in first and it might not be as hard and just there, there is a lot of technique in there, like any sport, and and if you classify it as a sport or not, it's a competition. So, I would say it's a sport. With it being competition style, is there just to men, or is it, or is there a women's division in this also? I haven't looked too much into that. I've just seen it as like an open weight class men's division. So there probably are women okay. as well, like maybe some other events. But I, like I said, I didn't look into weight classes for this event. There might be, or there might be a women's division or stuff like that too. So, but it's like just a more, I want to say macho version 
of arm wrestling. And there's women in arm wrestling too, which probably take me out no problem. And just like the mo- I don't know if you ever seen the movie Over the Top. Yep. Yeah, like pure 80s training montage with uh, Sylvester Stallone driving his big rig truck around the country before he gets to the big tournament in Las Vegas to uh, win back the love of his child and a new truck. Yep. Yeah, like any competition. It's ridiculous. Some competitions are ridiculous, and I'm putting this right up there with that. So I was taking a look at a couple clips after you said the idea of that, and you know, the the listening to the crowd and their reaction when that impact comes across. Yeah, like I don't know if that's a sheer shock of what they're seeing or the oh crap, I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I think it's. Well, it's almost like a knockout in the UFC, like or boxing, like when somebody hits that big punch or the big kick, and the other guy just goes flat, stiff as a board. It's just like the reaction from the crowd is the same thing. Like I never thought about it. Like I always cheered for, like, oh my god, that's an awesome move. But I never thought, oh, I'm glad that didn't happen to me because I don't want to be put in that situation where somebody slaps me so hard and knocks me yep. out. Or I don't want to be in that situation where I end up in a ring and somebody just throws a kick at my face and knocks me out either. So. Oh, exactly, yeah. The couple of clips I saw after the hit, they'd have people rubbing down the face. So I don't know if it's the same concept of a UFC or boxing with Vaseline or something. And then the guys that are getting like, recovering, it almost looks like they've been given like a little smelling salt to make sure that they're still yeah there and not knocked out or... I noticed the smelling salts as well. Got a concussion or whatever, you know. Yeah, definitely having the smelling yep. salts, but then just like removing, there's a lot of chalk on the people's hands, so. And I don't know why the chalk is there. Like, Yeah, they use a talcum powder or something. Yeah, it, you're probably right. It's some kind of powder. I, I was just thinking it's chalk, like, you know, other athletes use, like, weightlifters before they pick up the bar and stuff like that. So I, I I wonder why they're using yeah. the powder because you think you'd get better contact just like bare skin to bare skin, but maybe not. Maybe you need some kind of friction guard. I maybe you don't want to have impact who, on who, your hands. Who knows? Yeah. It's, uh... Well, we could look into it some more, but I, I I'm not gonna spend my too much of my time looking into slap fighting <laughs> the, the techniques of slap fighting unless I'm going to be in a slap fight. So just uh, I I noticed I was just taking a quick look. And of you know the judging and the, what they need feet are a certain distance apart they need, they need to have both need to have uh, mouth guards and stuff yeah something that's really funny says it's forbidden to be under the influence of alcohol intoxicants stimulants or other substances maybe after the fact you might want to dip into that if you prefer <laughs> but uh, you know that's something you might want to be on before you get your clock cleaned. Oh, I, I'm if I if I someday find myself in a slap fighting competition, I better be drunk out of my mind. Like that's the only way I'd end up in there. Exactly. Like I just got drunk in Vegas, stumbling down the street, somehow tripped up the stairs and ended up in some kind of slap fighting ring. That's the. I think that's the only way I'd end up in there. So, yeah, I'd have to be drunk, so I'd be disqualified either way right away. Yep. Well, see, seeing the uh, substances, I was 
I wasn't going to touch it. I was going to the Olympics, like we were discussing on the last episode. Everything was going smooth, but ROC did ROC things, so I chased that rabbit hole <laughs> of PEDs in um, professional sporting. Okay, yeah. So, obviously, we know the history of PEDs in Olympics. It's there. They've cracked down on it. One of my funniest memories of a PED. Well, it, it wasn't banned at the time. That's the funny thing. It's when our Canadian snowboarder at the 98 game got bummed being high on marijuana. Ross Ribley added? Originally, they took away his gold medal, saying that, yes, yep, saying that it was an enhancement. I'm not a pro on it, but the two when I was younger that I tried it, I was not encouraged to go anywhere quickly. <laughs> no. No, I don't think that's the case with that one. After that, when they returned his medal, <laughs> after they returned the medal, then marijuana was put on the banned list. <laughs> but for the most part, it was cycling and baseball were the major cases of it. Like lots of times in Tour de France, and I know baseball is a big thing to you, but I mean, they had the Mitchell report and at least 80 players were listed like Bonds and Clemens and are they allowed to go into the Hall of Fame because of their stitched up numbers now? And that's what I want to ask you. When you talk, when you sent me a note about doping in the Olympics, and I wrote down, like, should people like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens be in the Hall of Fame? What do you think about that? I think to an extent, you could put them into the Hall of Fame. Uh, they were amazing athletes and did great jobs and they weren't the only ones like as i said in that report there's good 80 people that were using an enhancement drug of sorts but maybe have their numbers free being busted or when it became acknowledged or admitted that it was being done and then their final stats asterisk them you know sure he was a great player not great numbers but he had help yeah uh... I go back and forth on it. I, I don't believe that there should be an asterisk beside them if they're in. If they're in, they're in. I really think that they were the best players of their generation. And I think that's what the Hall of Fame is. Every year somebody goes in, it's because of that generation. And the goalposts keep on moving. It doesn't matter which sport. You know, like if you look at hockey, not everybody's going to have Gretzky numbers. So, you know, there's not as many goals being scored now. So in baseball, it's the same thing. There's not as many home runs being scored. So I think people have to be judged by their generation. And when I say that, like Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds, uh, I know I keep on bringing this those two up, there was more people. They should be judged by the job that they did against their peers. So if their peers were also on PEDs, like if they weren't testing for it, and it wasn't until years later that... They found like 80 players, and if they found only 80 players, I wonder how many others were on PEDs or any kind of drug or performance enhancements. Yep. So if there was a lot of people on it, do you stricken that whole generation, which they didn't, because some people didn't have, like Sammy um, Ortiz, who just went into the Hall of Fame. He, he was on that report too. So yep. you know, how do you let him in but not Barry Bonds? Because Barry true. Bonds was more jacked up. You know, there's... I totally get what you're saying. You know, if you're in, you're in. I mean, and this this can go back and forth forever. But, hey, again, with Ortiz or Clemens or Bonds or Iambi, I think he was on the list too, if I'm not mistaken. But you have these guys, Canseco, 
he he wrote a book about it. I think it was that he was jacking people up for stall. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Mark McGuire. But right. you have these guys that are McGuire. That's what I was thinking. I'm not. You know, but you have these guys that are helping each other out. But then you have someone that wants just to go out there and hit the gym every day to co- try to compete. Yep. And now these aren't getting. He's not coming up anywhere close to the guys that are getting that help. Yeah, and and I know that there are a lot of clean players out there. There's always going to be a lot of clean players because a lot of them do work hard and they do become masters of their craft and they do belong in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Who's to say how many home runs Barry Bonds would have got without PEDs? Like, are we saying he was on drugs his whole career? I don't know. You know, when he hit home run number 500... Was he on drugs that night? Do we stricken that home run from the books, or you know, which ones do we allow and not allow? And it oh, seems point, like yeah. it seems like only the people that have been ousted and didn't apologize, like, are the ones that are being prosecuted. So it's really weird. Uh, I, I, my personal belief, they should be in the Hall of Fame. I also think Pete Rowe should be in the Hall of Fame as well because he was a tremendous player. He had what over four thousand hits. Nobody's even come close to getting that many. Or or was it? I forget exactly how many. But... His his thing will be the gambling. Yeah, and, but nobody remembers him for like hustling out so many singles. Like nobody hustled a single like he did. Well, maybe Ichiro, but like nobody's remembering that. Well, that's are... like Ricky Wills. I was I was gonna say it, Pete Rose. His numbers, no one looks at that with exactly like with Ricky Williams in the NFL with his eleven year career there yeah. and his one year career in the CFL. He had a, he dealt dealt with and does still deal with a lot of mental health issues. Who had many marijuana violations while in the NFL, but it helped better. And with him being a ten thousand rushing yard stat and over seventy combined home runs or a touchdown, sorry, again, that's not even being looked at. It's his dope use. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. Like. There, there's some overshadowing of some stuff. The marijuana use, I, I don't... It is what it is. I understand why it's a banned substance, but at the same time, it, it's not like it's spousal abuse. It's not like he got in a car drunk and ran somebody over like that football player this year. Like yeah. that, That's just horribleness. Like, um, Oh, yeah. But I'm not saying drugs are good either. Uh, I, I, I just... I go back and forth. If you're on gonna it. have any of them, that's a lesser one. Yeah, but I do go back and forth on it a lot. Like you could ask me the same question next week, and I'll just say, you know, Roger Clemens was a bum. He should never be in there, except for his Toronto Blue Jays years. Even like games, video games. Now, like I have, uh, what is it? MLB the Show, twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, whatever it is, and I have a career mode going and. I have it on easy because I don't play it that much. So when I do hit home runs, it's like um, I hit a hundred home runs in one season. It's just ridiculous of a game because, like I said, I play it on easy, and I still don't win every game. Yeah. <laughs> and, but like it shows the home run leaders of all time, and it's like myself, and then most home runs ever hit in a career. It's like New York Giants baseball player. It doesn't say Barry Bonds. It does say. Like, or did I say New York Giants? I meant to say like San Francisco Giants, um, baseball player. You like, did, yep. So like he's stricken from video games as well. So it's 
it's an interesting situation. I understand why he's not voted in or the group of them aren't voted in, but sometimes I, like, like I say, I understand it, but I go back and forth. I, I, this is one that I, I probably won't go back and forth on the Pete Rose thing. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, but that's a whole different form, different form of. Oh, I, do, I totally Pete. agree with the Pete Rose thing. One last question on this one. You got these um, trained professional adults making adult decisions, whether they're going to do it A or nay, whatever. Looking back at the Olympics that just wrapped up with that 15-year-old figure skater who you know is in a strict as hell regime of this is what you're doing. You're eating, living, breathing, skating, but then gets busted or test positive or the results come back after one of her competitions. And supposedly it was her grandmother's heart medication that she was taking whether she was told to say that's what it was considering who she was competing for or not why are we pushing these things on to the kids that can't make a decision of what's right and what's wrong and it's more of a political thing i i think when you're you are right when it's an adult we can all make adult decisions um do i do i put inject myself with steroids at age 21 you probably know at that point in your career where you're going to be at age 15. If you're told you're the best and you're going to be winning Olympic gold, you probably rely a lot on your trainer, your coaches, your support team around you. Because when you're, I'm assuming when you're that type of athlete, you have people around you, like dietitians, that are telling you what to eat, when to eat it, how much to eat? Yeah, because they have they're out there training every day. It's not like she, yeah, she's not a huge girl. Like she's like pretty small, but she probably has to have so many calories because she's out there skating all the time. She's practicing hard, um, even when she's not on skates. They're probably doing dry land, dry land training, and so people are probably she probably has professionals around her telling her to eat this much protein, eat this much chicken, eat this much vegetables. Here's some supplements. Take this supplement. And at that age, do you know what all these supplements are when you're putting your trust into a lot of these people because you don't know better? So at her age, I'm not saying it's yep. her fault, but at, like old adults, I think, yeah, you, you have to make those decisions and you should know what you're putting in your body at that age. So it's a tough call. Yep. It's a very tough call to say, like, was she in the wrong? Was she in the right? Is she the one that really wanted that in her system? And the, I, I think, you know, making that difference between child athlete and adult athlete, that there's more behind the scenes that yeah. we're not aware of. And that kid athlete is going to take the fall for it. And that's very unfortunate. And I think that's what it's. She's made out to be the villain in this. It's not to support staff around her. And and I think that's what it is a lot of times with individual sports. Is is she the, she's obviously the villain, but it's nobody around her that's the like being villainized as well. Except for I, I and I could I could say like Russia's being villainized because I think they're the bad guy in everything, but let let's assume it was a fifteen year old from France. Nobody's pointing the fi- finger yep. at France, but people are still going to point the finger at that 15-year-old girl 
like she's going to be the bad person. So, yeah, I it, it's a very unfortunate situation for her, but I would probably say it's somebody in the background. Because I, I really don't think that 15-year-old is coming up and telling her coaches, hey, pump some steroids into me. Get Mark McGuire and his needle in the bathroom stall. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> so, I know you, you, the last few summers, have gotten out doing a frisbee golf or disc golf. I'm not too sure what it's called. It's, and I think you were mentioning that that pretty quick. What, what do you got on that? Um, I am a big disc golf fan. I do like playing it. I haven't played much last year. I have a bum shoulder right now, so I've been trying last year. I started playing with my left hand instead of my right. Uh, it's getting some getting used to. It's a lot different because I just I can't throw the disc with my right hand. My shoulder is just crappy. So, yeah, but I do enjoy watching it on YouTube. I watch it during my lunch breaks at work, so I'll just turn on some YouTube. Um, watch some disc golf. So this weekend, the Las Vegas Open is coming up. Uh, it's an awesome tournament. It's usually the one that opens up the year. I don't even think it's called the Las Vegas Open. It's called the Las Vegas something. And all the top disc golfers are there, men, women. I know that there's about five or six players from Calgary going this year. They have different age groups, different uh, levels oh. as well. Like I said, men, women. Um, so one of the big things, big news in, in the PDGA this year is after two years, they're bringing back the official PDGA world rankings. So that's kind of cool. Like we all know, like people that follow, I can't say we all know because you probably don't know too much about um, who's on the top, like who are the best people, who are the best players out there. But, like, right now, like, when they released the rankings, I was very surprised to see Ricky Wasowski. He's, uh, like, the top men's golfer. And Paige Pierce, nobody's surprised about that in the disc golf world, about being the top female player. She's been around for a while. She's just an awesome, awesome person. Like, seeing interviews with her, she seems pretty cool. Um, And so she's number one in women's. But then I was on the... uh. No, I, I just saw the 2019 rankings. So Paul Macbeth was the top-ranked player then, who was a very special player in himself. Like, he's he's amazing. Like, he shot a minus 18 a couple years ago, so that's a pretty uh, impressive score. Like, on one one day, like, 18 holes, minus 18. Can't get much better than that. So the uh, season's about to start this weekend. And Las Vegas, always windy, always an awesome course, always... Yeah, it's just uh, it's a good tournament to start off the year, so it's fun to watch. Right, um, with the different courses, I I've only seen a couple clips here or there, um, not looking by any means, but they'll pop up. But are there are they like a typical golf course, or like I've seen some through a bunch of trees, some that are wide open areas, like with not a lot of hazards, if you will, or like how do they do that? And, like from the courses you've played or seen, I think that there's two main layouts. There's like courses that are just long, and just you have to throw it like a distance. Like, and then there's some courses that are just very technical, like you say in the trees, and you have to throw that 200 foot throw, and you just have to have it very accurate, very straight, or you're just going to hit a tree, and it's just going to go out in the woods, and you have to go find it just like a golf ball. So. It's a mixture of both, and some courses are a mixture of long holes and then the very, very technical course, like 
holes as well. Just I know that my favorite course in Calgary here is Baker Park, and there's some like you have mandatory shots that you have to make. Like it has to go to say a left of a tree or right to a tree, or there's two trees you have to hit it in the middle. And some holes in at Baker Park where it's just you have to throw it perfectly straight, or you're getting hit in a tree. And I know I've hit a lot of trees in that course, so so I know that you're a big race fan. So. I know that I also seen on Netflix that there's a new documentary. It's called Race, the Bobby Wallace story. Or maybe it's not called the Bobby Wallace story. I think it's just called Race, Bobby Wallace. Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. Sorry. I don't even know the guy's name. I've heard the name <laughs> before. So I think with any sport, once you hear a name, you're thinking oh, he must be the best. Or So was he a good racer? Was he the best? Does he still race? He still races. Um, actually, he finished second last Sunday at the Daytona 500. Um, second time finishing second. Uh, post-race interview. His words, not mine. I'm even more pissed off I lost this time than the first time. Yeah, that's a true competitor. And um, Yeah, I, I mean, he, he's gotten to a team where he's got the good equipment now. He's, I mean, like any sport or any athlete, he has, uh, it, you have your up seasons and your down seasons. I mean, if you're going to start the biggest race of the season off and finish second, I mean, that's, that's a good point of what you can do, and hopefully they can keep that. I've heard of the series. I haven't checked it out. That's going to be a this weekend thing. Well, it'll be a thing between now and when I have time. At the Daytona, though, um, there's a lot of new faces, and one of them, was former F1 champ and IndyCar champ uh, Jacques Villeneuve. Uh, that... Who's strapped into the seat at 50 years of age. I was going to ask you about him. So, yeah, that was my next question was about him. So, how did he do? You know what? He, like, I didn't... He, he was a hell of a driver in all the other series that he drove in. Uh, he tried qualifying, I think it was about 10 or 11 years ago for the Daytona 500 but didn't make it. And I mean, it, it's pricey to get into, to find a ride, to get the car, to get the sponsorship, to run for it. And he finished 20th or 22nd out of 36 vehicles. Um, was there a lot of wrecks? Yes. Did he cause any? Nope. Did he get caught in any? Nope. The guy was able to drive it at 50 years of age, doing, I think they said the fastest average lap from all the drivers was 193 miles an hour. Okay. That seems uh, a little bit quick. <laughs> I was in Kansas a few years ago, and I was doing 85 miles an hour, which is just under 130K. So, <laughs> yeah, it's – I want to get down to, like, a Daytona or a Vegas or a Talladega to do their driving thing where you can do it. A buddy of mine did it in Vegas, and they capped the vehicle off with a restrictor plate at 150 miles an hour. Oh, okay, yeah. And he got up to 146 on his ninth <laughs> lap out of 10. Nice, nice. Speaking of Netflix, I I watched a series a while ago, and um, it was called Bad Sports, and it talked about different sports, um, just like shaving points off of of uh, basketball games, and you know there was a whole thing about horse racing and this guy that was killing horses for insurance money, but there was one about racing and. Uh, I don't know if you ever had a chance to see it, but if you 
If you haven't, give it a shot. Like I said, it's on Netflix. It's called Bad Sports, and it's the second episode. It's called Need for Weed. Guy Randy, I forget his last name, but he he basically was smuggling weed from Colombia into the States on barges so he could pay for his racing. Um, he, he became like a top racer in one of the uh, circuits in the States, and then he wanted to race in the big races, so he had to sell more weed to pay for it and ended up getting busted. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's an interesting story. So it's a pretty cool series. So if you ever get a chance to check it out, definitely check it out. Yeah, that sounds something like that. That would be interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's about it for our look in the sports this week. So, or this couple of weeks. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I guess, big question, what are you looking forward to in the sporting world this weekend besides slap fighting? <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'll probably I, I might uh, tune into that, kind of check it out. Um, I don't know if there's an actual association or if it's just a behind the scenes thing, but there's a prof- there's something called professional tag. I've seen and they this. got a bunch of videos on YouTube for that, and it looks crazy as hell. Looks like a mix yeah. of parkour and sprinting through an obstacle course just to get someone, but it makes me fun. Yeah, I've seen that before, and that looks kind of cool, too. So just for the audience, if you do like this podcast, check out the next episode of the Mess Hall podcast. I know Kevin is going to be on it as a special guest. So if you want to hear more of Kevin, make sure you check out the Mess Hall podcast uh, next er, next episode. So a um, couple cool hosts on that one. And then, like I said, Kevin's going to be, I'm going to bring up Kevin here. He's going to be a special guest, him and his son. So going to be kind of cool anytime there's uh food around uh i'll I'll be there (laughs) great great um like i said everybody thanks for listening and enjoy this episode and uh looking forward to hearing from everybody in two weeks enjoy you guys